It's Thursday, April 28th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who believes the best way to navigate a draft is to wear a lovely, cozy wool sweater. J.P. Shadrick! Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday. It is draft night in Duval. My name's J.P. Shadrick. Glad you're along with us. We're live at Daly's Place, getting ready for the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. And we have a busy program tonight here on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, and the Jags social channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman is always with us. NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks is on site with us throughout the draft. We stole him away. He's here. We're going to pick <laughs> his brain all weekend long with this draft preview. And we will hear from general manager Trent Balky. We had a draft day conversation in the Jaguars draft room at the bank a little bit earlier. Gentlemen, welcome in and happy draft day, Logs. Yeah, thank oh. you, and uh, it's great to have Bucky alongside. We're going to have a little bit of conversation here about some draft picks. We're going to get some answers out of you guys. We've been about picking, answers. We've been picking Bucky's brain for <laughs> weeks on the Huddle Up podcast, and now it comes down to tonight, Bucky. No, I'm really excited, man. It's a really exciting time. You have the number one overall pick. You have a chance to kind of change the fortunes of the franchise if you get the pick right. So a lot of pressure. If Did you you guys remember a draft like this where you just you're going in and there's really not really a known entity that's going to be the first overall draft pick? I mean, I would say going back to what the Baker Mayfield draft is yeah, that that's, right? That's, that's the last time you can think about that yeah. where everyone was guessing on who was going to be the number one, but no one real, no one really knows. Normally by this time of the day, you kind of have a sense. It's kind of leaked out on Twitter who's going to be the guy, and we haven't heard that yet. No leaking yet. I mean, we, uh, we'll hear from Balky coming up I think moment. he leaked with you a little bit, they didn't he? No, no, no. He said they were down to one. So they've got that. <laughs> well, that's good. He didn't say which one. He wrote it down on a piece of paper and gave it to JP later. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I'll be quite honest with you. But let's hear from General Manager Trent Balky. We caught up a little earlier today in the Jaguars draft room here at TIAA Bank Field. His second draft with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're ready to make a pick. The 2022 NFL Draft is here. J.P. Shadrick with General Manager Trent Balky in the draft room at TIAA Bank Field. Okay. Are you excited? What's the GM feel on draft day? Hopefully relief. You know, we're excited. Obviously, a lot of work's gone into this. Scouting staff, personnel staff put in a lot of time. And here we are, you know, on the eve of the pick. And uh, I think we're, I, I know we're prepared for it. Take us through your checklist on draft day. What all do you do? What's your routine? You've done this a number of times, obviously, in San Francisco, and now your second time here. What's your checklist? Well, we had our final meeting yesterday, you know, with ownership, and that went extremely well. You know, now it's just waiting for the 8 o'clock to come here. You know, usually what I do now is I'll get away from it. I'll take my run. I'm going to go on a nice long run here, get, get – uh, my mind right, and then come back, try to be in the building around 5 o'clock and get ready for 8 o'clock. Tell us what you can about that final meeting with ownership. Shad Khan in, uh, Doug Peterson, yourself. What happens and how do you guys narrow it down? You said you were down to four last week. How do you get to number one? Well, we've been working that way for, for a while now. And, you know, when Shad got this all together, he talked about a couple of things, you know, a collaborative effort and transparency. And yesterday's meeting was just to make sure that that was exactly what was taking place. And uh, this has been a very collaborative effort. There's been a lot of people involved uh, from the personnel side, from the coaching side, and even ownership. And that's the way it should be. And uh, we're just looking forward to the draft and making the picks. How does this number one 
top of a draft compared to some others in the past to you? It, it feels like, I don't know you, if you read mocks or not, there's a lot of mocks out there, have different names everywhere. It seemed a little abnormal. Usually there's a slam dunk guy at number one. How different is this year? I don't like to compare drafts. It, it, you live in the moment, and uh, the moment we're in now, this is this is the draft. These are the available players, and you do everything you can to find the right players for this organization, for your own organization, and then you go to work, and, and, and you make them right. Uh, at what point do you make final calls to prospects, wellness checks? Do you do anything like that on draft day? Is that all done? Uh, have you put a bow in this thing? Yeah, the, the, dra the scouts, that's what they've been working on the early part of this week is calling all the agents, calling all the, the, the prospects on the board, making sure we verified their phone numbers and, and that uh, they're healthy and, and ready to go. Finally, um, you know, 12 picks over three days. I don't know if a GM likes that or not. That's a lot to, to handle over the next three days. But what is a successful day for the Jaguars today at the end of the day and a successful weekend mean? Well, I think you just go into it. You, you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, we know what's going to happen at one. And then from that point on, you really don't know what's going to happen. So you, you follow the board. You trust the board. Uh, you, you put yourself in a position to move up if you feel you need to move up. And you put yourself in a position when it when the board dictates to move back if you can. Uh, but you always have to be ready, ready and willing to make the pick because you don't know if you can move up and you don't know if you can move back. So uh, you're, you just you always have to be prepared. That's Trent Balky, Jaguars general manager, a little bit earlier today. Uh, what do you think, Logs? I think the, the comment that he made there at the very end is very telling that you move back if you can. And it, I think that they would love to move back from number one, but the problem is that there's no clear-cut number one. If there was, then this team will be in a perfect position to maybe trade that pick if there was a quarterback sitting there and then get a haul of picks in the future and now and then maybe get one of those top four guys that you like. Yeah, it's all about the quarterback. Normally when you're moving up, it's someone that is a transcendent talent, someone that multiple teams would love to get. And right now you just don't have that interest because the quarterbacks aren't what they've been in previous classes. So even though Trent doesn't like to talk about previous classes, it's one of the reasons why there hasn't been a lot of trade interest. I, th I think it was also interesting that he talked about, and you, you were talking about talking to, to the prospects and uh, et cetera. Uh, I remember when I was a draft-eligible player, man, I had my, the, the phone didn't stop ringing the day before yeah. the draft and the day of the draft. Do you happen to know why, JP? Why, just to make sure you're not in trouble? They want to make sure you yeah. didn't get hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, they yes. want to make sure you were still alive and healthy and, you know, yeah. ready to go. Right. Seriously, they would call you up and yeah. say, hey, how you doing? How you feeling? Everything okay? And it was you were sitting there just, you know, thinking to yourself out loud, going, yeah, they're just trying to find out that I'm breathing. That's, that's really it. As a scout, your job, my job leading up to the draft is to make sure I call everybody on the list, make sure I get multiple numbers, their primary number, backup number, see if they're healthy and stuff, because you want to make sure <laughs> when the pick goes in, you want to be able to talk to them before you officially submit the pick. How about the thought of the meeting last night? Jaguars owner Shad Khan came in, uh, wanted to, as Trent Balky said, see that collaborative and open effort together, and they've apparently come down to one player they're going to pick. Yeah, because once the player is picked, he's a Jaguar, and everybody in the building has to support him and make sure that he is given everything that he needs to be successful. From a coaching standpoint, that's put him in the right position, making sure the scheme is conducive to his talents. From a personnel standpoint, hey, once we own whoever we decide to pick, we got to make sure that everything that comes out of the building is positive about this pick in the process. I, I think that this is, a, is just a kind of a sign 
because you know there's been collaborative meetings with ownership all along through this process. You know, I think Chad Khan has spent more time in the building this year than he has in recent years, from from what I understand. And so, look, the reality is this final meeting, if, if Shad Khan goes, hey, look, we're drafting player X, guess which player they're drafting? They're drafting player X. Yes. I mean, he's the owner. He, he's the one that can, has the ultimate decision. Well, I'll say that's really never been his style, though. He kind of lets the football people do football things. He can have, obviously has input when he wants to have input, but he's never really been that. Stand, you know, we're picking this guy come hell or high water. Right? No, I, I, no, I don't think he ever has. But I mean, in, in, at the end of the day, I mean, when you have next to your name, you know, job description, it says, oh, <laughs> that gives you that, <laughs> yeah, that you decision making want. power. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> do you need another title? No, just owner's good enough. It, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL AM and Jaguars.com. JP Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Bucky Brooks ahead of the 2022 NFL draft. There is some other football business going on today really? for the Jaguars, by the way. Uh, Josh Allen uh, received the fifth-year uh, option today. The deadline was May 2nd, so that's um, another year for a, a former first-round pick. And, you know, it goes to the what the organization has talked about, You and they haven't done a lot the last 10, 15 years, is get your draft picks, keep them in the building as long as you can, and then re-sign them. The re-signing part's still to come for Allen, but the fifth-year option is big to – kind of set the tone, I think, on defense. It means from an internal standpoint that they feel good enough about what he's put on the first three years to say, okay, we definitely want to keep this marriage going into the fifth year and possibly beyond. We have seen in previous years, sometimes people are unable to get that fifth-year option. So that bodes well for Josh Allen getting a long-term extension. It also bodes well from the Jaguar standpoint that they drafted a player at the top of the board who has played up to the standard and expectation that comes along with being a first-round pick. Yeah, but the one, the one thing I will say with Josh from, from a negative standpoint is that he has not been available at times. That's right. Know? Okay, so I think that kind of maybe impacted the lateness of this decision mm-hmm. because uh, from a talent standpoint, Josh Allen being, you know, have that fifth year picked up, that's a no-brainer. Uh, but you would like to see the consistency and production a little bit more with Josh, and I think that that will come. There's also been reports that Cam Robinson has agreed to an extension, three-year deal, $54 million. That's the report. No official word from the team yet. Hasn't signed the deal, but when he does, there you go. Does that change anything tonight for you? Well, I think this is an interesting conversation here because, Bucky, this not only involves is the contract right for Cam Robinson? Okay, you happy with that number? But then it also kind of ventures over to draft talk. Okay, now that Cam Robinson – has or reportedly has this three-year extension, does that prohibit the Jaguars from looking at the top two rated offensive linemen? And and I, I don't know exactly what Bucky's thoughts are on this, but I love the guy at North Carolina State. Oh, I absolutely love him. And I love what Doug has said about the number one pick. we got to get the number one pick right. The number one pick has to start. He has to be a starter. Well, the one thing that we know about Iki Iquanu, Iki Iquanu is versatile enough to move inside and play guard. So to me, I think it's a no-brainer if he's available. If you really want to fortify the offensive line, and if you look at the moves that have been made throughout the offseason, it is about making sure that the quarterback has enough help. Will you help him by being able to bring another big body that really creates a fortress but also allows the Jaguars to run the football, which takes pressure off Trevor Lawrence? You know, if you go back a couple years ago and you redrafted the Quentin Nelson draft, yep. if Quentin Nelson were drafted number one overall, would you even think twice about it now? No. Absolutely not. And I'm not saying that Kwanu is is at that level, but I think he's that kind of an athlete. He has that kind of power, and obviously he's a very intelligent guy. 
Uh, didn't he like get accepted to super, Harvard? He's super super smart. Yeah, he, he's a thespian. He's a guy who <laughs> fancies himself. You talk to him. He'll talk about. Explain that to JP. <laughs> I, uh, I understand. <laughs> so so when you so when you think about what he offers, I think it's a no-brainer because worst case you can put him at right tech, you can put him at guard. You can move him around to make sure that it's right. Ultimately, when you think about how Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, he won it with the best offensive line in football, doing what they do, controlling the trenches. I love the way he's uh, he's got a little nasty to him. He's oh, got yeah, a little he's, attitude. He's got power. Uh, he's got finish. And he's a six-foot-four guy. So if he were to play left tackle, okay, he would compare to the guy in Houston. If he were to play guard, okay, 6'4", is That's considered right. a good size yeah. for guard. I mean, so – and he would be an immediate starter without question. Wow. How about Evan Neal? He's out of the conversation for I, him? Well, I, and this is – I'd love to get Bucky's thoughts on this. I know you guys have talked about it. From from my standpoint, oh, I mean, he's got all the measurables, okay? Yeah. He's big, mm-hmm. and he's, at times he's been overweight. And he's haven't we all? But well, I mean, come on, speak, give me a break. No, uh, <laughs> not me anyway. <laughs> he's on the ground a lot. Yeah, and and I don't think he's a. I don't know if he's as much of a good of an athlete as Cam Robinson. And r- the reason I say that is that look, how many years did Cam Robinson start at left tackle at University of Alabama? It was multiple years. Yes, it was. Okay, and Neil was a one-year guy, and I'm not trying to. I mean, look, would you question Nick Saban and his ability to figure out who the best left, left tackles are? I mean, when he's got a guy who's had to move around a little bit, uh, and I'm not saying that that's the number one indicator, but just when you watch it on film, I don't think he's as athletic at times, but he's got great technique. I think there are two things in the comparison between Aquano and Neil. The technique, Neil is superior in technique, but in terms of physicality and nastiness, Aquanu plays the game in a way that it changes the way your entire offensive line does. Because Jeff will talk to you, when you're in those rooms and you see people hitting and knocking people around, it makes other people want to kind of jump in and it changes the tenor of your offense. And so Aquanu comes in and brings that with the athleticism, with the other stuff that he could potentially be on the inside. And it's not saying that Neil isn't worthy of being in the conversation, but if you have a preference, the NC State kid gives you that nastiness that you have to have, particularly in a rugged AFC. If you, if you look at the, the numbers, the measurables, you know, the, the combine height, weight, speed, all that kind of hand stuff. Hand size, don't forget that. Hand size, I mean, for quarterbacks, that's everything, right? <laughs> Neil would be your, your, your pick. I mean, because he's got that, you know, the height, weight, and everything looks perfect, whereas Icky's a, a little bit smaller, not quite as heavy. And in today's game, a lot of guys and general managers are caught up about mm-hmm. size. We are at the 2022 Duval Draft Party presented by Baptist Health. It's tonight at 6 o'clock at Daly's Place. Live draft analysis and onstage appearances by head coach Doug Peterson and selects Jaguars players. More info at jaguars.com slash official draft party. Parking will be a bit tricky tonight. There's an RV show in Lot J. I think there's an Iceman hockey game tonight. So if you're coming down here, Come on early. Uh, I will tell people this. Just follow the signs. It's it's very well explained when you're coming in the car. I was coming in the car, and, and there's plenty of signs to indicate where you need to park. Gates open at 5 o'clock. Up next, more draft talk. Defensive prospects at number one. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.
Absolutely you could because if you're investing in Trevor Lawrence, you better invest in people who are going to keep him upright. Absolutely. But, you know, I think you still got Dewan Taylor there, right? So you just invested in him a couple of years ago as a second rounder who we all thought was going to be a first rounder. So you think to yourself, what's the next move? That's why it feels like pass rusher. But they did go offensive lineman. Doesn't that sound like where we started the whole process? Right? The whole process started with, well, which offensive lineman will Jacksonville take? And then it morphed into the pass rusher. So that's why this year is so exciting for all of us because it may not be the five quarterbacks of last year, but the uncertainty breeds the excitement of this year. That's Charles Davis of NFL Network and CBS Sports in Las Vegas with Brian Sexton. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour from Daly's Place, home of the 2022 Duval Draft Party coming up 6 o'clock. The festivities begin 8 o'clock. The draft begins. We'll be here all night long. Good to hear from our good friend Charles Davis. They're talking offensive line, but then that shifts us over. We've already talked about the two big names. Let's shift back over to defense hey, now. Can I real quick get oh a comment boy. in there? Because that Jawan Taylor thing we talked about. <laughs> yeah, I've still got Jawan Taylor there at right tackle. Last time I checked that there's going to be some competition oh, that's right. at right tackle with Walker Little, as there should be competition. They've said that, Bucky. It's going to be a competition, but, you know, does the person who come in join that competition if it's an offensive lineman? We should be, the goal should be to put the five best offensive linemen on the field and figure out the matchups. That's what you go through mini camps and training camp and all that. You start mixing up the combinations because it's a chemistry thing with the offensive line, but uh, Juwan Taylor walking a little wouldn't discourage me from taking an offensive tackle at the top of the board. Let's move along now to some of the potential options on the defensive side of the football and begin with Aiden Hutchinson out of the University of Michigan. 14 sacks a year ago, broke his leg early in the 2020 season, but came back. He was a Heisman runner-up last year, the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. Well, a unanimous All-American. The accolades go on and on and on. Bucky, you're all about this guy, and it's not just the height and weight. It's everything that goes with him on the field. So at the top of the board, typically what you're looking for is a guy with blue-chip talent and a blue-collar mentality. And when you talk to the people around the program in Michigan, they can't say enough good things about how he goes about his business working. Talking to his teammate, David Ajabo, he said, everything that I learned about playing at a high level came from watching Aiden Hutchinson and being with him. And so when you think about a culture changer, someone that's going to set the tone, this is what he does. Outside of being a really good player, the football character is outstanding. And at the top of the board, we're talking about getting someone that you know exactly what you're getting. There's some certainty with Aiden Hutchinson that I like and that I believe in. Character, productivity, he's athletic, but he's got arms that are short. That's T-Rex? What is he? Keep hearing it. He's got short arms. You're like, wait a minute. He doesn't have that short arms. The guy, you watch him play football, he's really good. And uh, and on top of that, what you talk about, about how he has that, that, that kind of drive and that he teaches teammates, when you watch him on film, he plays every down. He's not a, a guy that turns it on when he's a pass rusher. Okay, he's a guy that plays the rundowns just as hard. He and, and he plays them just as good. He's stout. He can stuff guys in the hole. He can get around guys. Is he a super freak athletic guy like a Miles Garrett? No. Okay, he's not that. But the productivity, the measurables, and everything else to me says number one pick overall. And I think you feel him. Like, having watched him up close and personal at the Big Ten Championship game, I felt his presence. Like, it was very clear and apparent in a big game he turned it up a notch. He made plays. And I know people talk about the Georgia game. 
and they said, well, the first exposure that a lot of people had to him was watching him in the college football playoff, and Georgia seemingly handled him. But if you watched how Georgia played, they didn't go at him. The ball was out quick. They made sure they took care of him because he was the most impactful player for Michigan. I think this guy's a slam dunk as a number one pick. To me, he should be the pick. Hey, by the way, from a scouting standpoint, what's short on? <laughs> <laughs> the T-Rex. <laughs> I, mean, I was like a 37-and-a-half, uh, 38-inch sleeve length. So what is this guy got, like 35s or something? For those I mean, listening on radio, he's demonstrating the T-Rex <laughs> the arms at the same time. The little T-Rex <laughs> arms. Fantastic. You mentioned Georgia. They had a fantastic defense, the national champions, and a name going up a lot of mock drafts the last month or so at least since the combine especially, is Trayvon Walker, defensive lineman, 6'5", 270, played the most snaps on the defensive line for Georgia last year. He was moving all around. But, Bucky, this guy's moving up boards after the combine. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are fascinated. And it started right at the combine because people had a chance to see him and watch him go to work. And he's a very impressive athlete, super explosive. You see the movement skills, the change of direction, all of those things. And then when you think about this defensive line, he played the most snaps. He was all over the place. The only thing that bothers me about Walker is it's a projection over the production. The other pass rushes that we'll talk about, we see guys get the quarterback down. And the one thing that translates, sack production. If you sack him in high school and you sack him in college, you're going to sack him in the pros. And I just don't know if you can say someone who got six sacks his final season is going to be a double-digit sack artist in the pros. It's uncommon to see that kind of jump. Because you're, you're not only facing a higher level of an athlete, but a more complex scheme. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why the adjustment is, is big. And when you watch him, he's got some great traits. Now, he's big, strong, physical. He's got heavy hands. He does a great job of separating in the run game. Uh, as a pass rusher, though, what Bucky's referring to with the six-and-a-half sacks, his moves are very limited. Uh, he's still, a, I don't want to say an amateur, but you can still tell that he's a developing pass rusher. When you watch Aiden Hutchinson, you can see kind of moves that are in play and get put to kind of execution-wise. And that's, I think there's a big difference there as far as the P word. And I'm not talking about the potential word, the production. I mean, sometimes there was a guy who was a... Uh, uh, a scout that I used to know for a long period of time, and he said the one thing you got to be careful of is giving yourself a speeding ticket on a guy and getting excited about what you see when they're wearing shorts. Yes. And uh, and I think that, that look, Javon Walker, I think, is a good football player, but what Bucky's talking about, projecting a guy, that sometimes can be interesting and, and come sometimes flawed. You know, and we had this conversation a little bit earlier, and it, What's the perfect role for a walker? I think a 4-3 left defensive end would be a perfect fit for him. In this defense here, I don't know if he's athletic enough to be a stand-up outside linebacker guy, Yeah. but he would be more of a defensive end guy, and then he could kick down to a three technique as a pass rusher. So, I mean, he's got some flexibility, but is he going to be that guy that's just going to be lighting up defenses and scaring quarterbacks? Maybe, but I don't think right out of the gate. Yeah, and it may take a while. And the one reason production matters in terms of sack production, there's an art to knocking the quarterback down. It's one thing to get close to it and to touch him, and did that, but to get him to the ground, there's a talent to that. And I don't think you can undersell when a guy is unable to do it. Because those who do, they do it, and they do it year after year after year after year. Yeah, the one thing when you watch Walker on film, and, and Bucky will probably corroborate this, is that when he closes, that acceleration, 
is is instant. I mean, he's you know, and and the difference I think when you look at Hutchinson and Walker is is that Hutchinson I think plays with a little better instinct, a little better anticipation, whereas Walker is still this dominant, physical, strong guy, but not quite anticipating yet. And I think that's probably a factor in the production. But could he be that guy? Very well could be. I think at his high end, he plays like a disruptive run defender like Jadevian Clowney. Jadevian Clowney has never been able to give you double-digit sacks, I think maybe until this year. But he was very disruptive against the run. And so he would create a lot of negative plays, TFLs, force fumbles and those things because of the athleticism and the explosiveness, but it's different. It's not what you typically would associate with a number one overall pick. But he's not as athletic as he's not. I was going to say. He's not that. He's, <laughs> he's not, not that. that. But at his high end, that is what you will hope for. One more name. You know, they said they were down to four this past Friday, but one name that was mocked to the Jaguars a lot going into the offseason, early in the offseason, was Kayvon Thibodeau. We haven't heard that name pop up. Why do you think that name slipped out of a lot of these mocks? So I think there are a couple of things with Kayvon Thibodeau that rubs people the wrong way. One, when you turn on the tape, he is what we call a flasher. When he goes, it's impressive. But there are a lot of lulls where he doesn't go. And so you're wondering, is he going to play hard all the time? And a lot of times what you don't know is, how is he going to change when the fame, the acclaim, and the money and all that other stuff comes? Is, are you going to be able to get him to turn it up? Now, to his credit, I don't know if he was coached hard at Oregon to learn how to run and play and go to the ball and those things. But what I will say, his first step quickness is outstanding. Snap count anticipation, he has a, he has a natural bend to him that's going to allow him to get sacks to the quarterback. He also does a good job of taking guys right down the middle with a long arm. But the one thing that you worry about is, does he love it enough to go from good to great as a pro? That is the question and the concern that you would have. That, that long arm, kind of like a Ricky Jackson back in the day of the Saints. But when you talk about Ben, this guy's got Ben now. I'm talking if you compared his athleticism to a Walker or a Hutchinson, I think Thibodeau's a better athlete than it, all of them. It's, it's different because it's funny because the numbers, the other guys test better. But on the field, there are only a handful of guys that can turn the corner in those three steps like he, he has it. And so if he decides that he wants to be great, He'll be a great player off the edge. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that guys that do on, what they do on the football field that shows athleticism. It's how low that they can be to the ground and still be in control. And this is a guy that has that athletic ability. He can turn his foot, it's like one foot towards the quarterback, and when he plants that, he's turning and going that direction like a running back has the great ability to plant a foot and, and make that cut downhill. It's kind of the same thing, but a little different with a pass rusher. Who's the best in the game right now with Ben been doing that? Vaughn or back, back when Vaughn was in his prime? Vaughn Von is not. Uh, his legs are getting a little bit old. Um, I think it's Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett has freaky he's athleticism. He's just a freak show. Anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And it, you can't come. You can, he is like, he's the athlete up here. Okay, everybody else lives down here in this neighborhood, but he's up here. And I think Jeff would say, when he came out, he wasn't a refined technical. He, he's getting 10 sacks just off, I'm a better athlete than you. I'm going to turn the corner and go hit the corner. Now he's learning both. <laughs> That's scary now, for sure. The uh, Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us in the bank this season with Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. Lock in your seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. What to expect the rest 
of tonight after number one. Maybe the unexpected. We'll discuss it when we come back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You know, you can make the case for Walker on fit as well, you know, and I, I look at Caldwell's scheme and being under Todd Bowles and you think about JPP and the success he had, you know, you could you could make that match there with Walker. I think, you know, Hutchinson getting a chance to rush from a two-point stance there would, would be pretty dynamic as well. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's what you know right now with Hutchinson. I think he comes in clear packaging. I think there's some unknown uh, there with Walker. But I, I think that we sell Hutchinson short on the ceiling and I feel like we sell Walker a little short on the floor. Uh, I think they're 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 both going to be really good football players. That's lead draft analyst for NFL Network, Daniel Jeremiah, in Las Vegas with Brian Sexton, and we are at Daly's Place for the 2022 Duval Draft Party. Gates open at five o'clock. The festivities underway at six o'clock. The draft underway at 8 o'clock. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Bucky Brooks with us from the next Yeah, who's that Jeremiah guy? We got, we got Bucky Brooks. <laughs> oh, that's, it's that. He's, he's the lead. He's the leader. He's the, he's the one. He sets the tone at the network. Well, we're glad to have you here with us. I know that. That's for sure. No matter what he's doing, this is awesome. No, it's great. This is great. This is great. First time I've been in a long time with the team on draft night and draft day. The energy should be fun to be around it all over again. Is there anything better than talking ball and talking hope? Oh, yeah. Come on. I mean, unfortunately, that's really where this team has been at for the last couple of years, and that, that's the only thing they've had to hold on to is hope. And that's the draft has always represented hope, and this is a franchise that hopes that some of the picks that they make today can change the fortunes, and that's why the fans, I think, are extremely excited about it. Yeah, should be excited. I'm more excited about Doug Peterson coming over. Like, having played with him, having played with some of the guys that are on the coaching staff, just really excited about the professionalism. Like, those guys having played, those guys having been on the field, I just think it would be a different dynamic than we've seen in the past. Oh, uh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. I was just so. saying, the last year was kind of a train wreck. Maybe <laughs> so. Jaguars enter today in this NFL draft with 12 picks on the docket, tied for the most in the National Football League. One today. Uh, three on the docket tomorrow, one in the second round, two in the third round, and then eight more on Saturday. How many of those do they actually pick? Do they make moves? Trader Trent, does he show up like he did in San Francisco? What happens here, guys? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, for me, I, I think this team moves up, and, and I think it would be wise to. And when I say move up from the first pick of the second round, which is the first pick of day two, You've got four six-round picks, two seventh or two sevenths, and then you also have a fifth-round pick. For me, those picks, use them as much as you can to get find a way to get back into the first round. And there's a lot of guys to pick from, I think. Uh, and, and Bucky has a little bit better handle on the overall talent of the draft. But Bucky, there's two guys that I really like. One of them's a center at Iowa, and the other oh. one's a pass rusher at Purdue. Okay, Linda Baum and then George Karloftis. I think those are very interesting picks because ultimately you talk about Trader Trent. Yeah. What you should do and what you are doing is you have a wish list that you want to come out of draft weekend with these kinds of players. And so if you think about packaging, so let's just say we go with a pass rusher at one, then you want to come back in the second round and maybe you get an offensive lineman. So then Linderbaum would be in that conversation at 33. Hopefully, so at the end of the day, you're like, okay, we feel good about where we are. And then I still believe they need a speed receiver. 
somewhere in this draft, someone that can take the top off the defense to kind of spread it out for Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and those guys to do work. And so it's where do I need to get to to get one of the best in those positions? And so trading up, getting rid of those six and sevens to move into range to get players that can come in and be immediate contributors, that has to be the focus and emphasis. I, I just don't think you have enough roster spots for all of these picks that we're talking about if they stay put to be able to make this roster, whether it be on practice squad or the active roster. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous amount of, of players. And then you look at the large free agency class that they brought in yeah, that's right. with some of the existing recent draft picks that you're hoping to develop. I mean, I, I think you've got to end up turning some of those picks into fewer picks but higher ones. Yeah, players over picks, meaning blue-chip players, players that can come in and contribute. And to your point, George Kaloftis, underrated throughout the process. He's a power rusher. And I think when we talk about athleticism, the fact that he was on the Greek national team as a water polo player, to me, speaks volumes about who he is. New to the game, still learning the game, but, man, he's a powerful player he's with got a little fan. attitude. He has some stuff to him. <laughs> he's he, got a lot of stuff to him. Yeah, he's real he's, young, but uh, but athletically, you know, we talking earlier about the bend uh, and and the get off and all the things that are key to a pass rush. The, they call him the Greek freak uh, out of Purdue. This guy has powerful. got some. He's got some tools. How, how different is it than let's say Hutchinson? I don't know. I don't, I don't. You know, here I think this is an interesting debate. And I said this to you know? somebody. I would not be surprised. If Carlathis is a guy that could end up having as many sacks as a Hutchinson could. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he understands the artistry. He plays hard. you got to understand where he played at Purdue, there have been a number of pass rushes that's come out of there. He is up there at the top of the list when it comes to production and disruption and all those things. He's a really good player. He might fall out. He's going to be at the bottom of the first round. Bottom of the first round, top of second, that's where he goes. Sometimes you got to think about doubling up at the position. There's nothing wrong with doubling up. If you want to address the need, go twice. Make sure you address it by getting multiple guys. Have you ever met a team that had too many pass rushers? You can't have enough. No, (laughs) you're right. You can't have enough. No, you're right. No, and here's the thing. If you end up going Walker at one, okay, Walker is a a three-technique pass rusher once you get the sub-package, nickel and dime. Uh, so I think he is. And then all of a sudden now you need a guy around the edge. 70% of the game. 70% of the game we're going to be in nickel. So you have to treat it like that. Make sure you gotta you gotta roll them in. You can't have enough. It used to be like fifty percent. No, the, no. the game has changed. No, no, no. You better I mean, score. It's, it's a passing league now. Pinball football. You better score because <laughs> uh, they're going to on the other side. Speaking of that, let's uh, shift our conversation down to the wide receiver position. You mentioned a deep guy, deep threat. Well, I mean, who are some of those guys that could be available lower first into the second round? Guys like Jamison Williams might be out. Olavi might be gone. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, probably gone. What's that next level of guy? Well, next year is great. So you're going to see a bunch of wide receivers throughout this draft that can make an immediate impact. In terms of role-specific guys for the Jaguars, Taquan Thornton from Baylor is someone. 4-2-8 at the combine, but he's a legitimate track star going all the way back. Big-time speed can take the top off the defense, off the coverage. And the Jaguars need that explosive playmaker. Jaden Tolbert from South Alabama, another guy, a speedster that can take the top off of coverage. If you want someone that is more of the route runner type, Khalil Shakur, guy from, we, we go Boise State, 
another route runner that can do it. There's some smaller guys, Calvin Austin, but T-Tiny, 5'7". I don't know if you want that, but there's plenty of guys in the second, third round, even top of the fourth round that can make contributions to speed receiver. If a guy is 5'7", he better run like Tyreek Hill. Yeah, right? Okay. He runs, but he's small. He's small. But he had to miss him because he's fast. But a little, a little self-evaluation here with the Jaguars. You have a lot of guys because uh, literally with LaVisca Chenault, and then Christian Kirk, the, these guys are, I think, are more suited to the inside receiving position. The one thing that you don't have, and Marvin Jones isn't even one of these guys, you don't have a guy that you can line up on the outside and go, Phew. that's what you don't have. And so if you are going to find a wide receiver in this draft, you better have a guy that can go, Phew. which, by the way, means really fast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, really fast. Those on radio. <laughs> really fast. But what, but what Logs is talking about is the way that we think about the wide receiver, room it needs to be a basketball team you got to have guys with different tools sizes shapes length speed you want to be able to throw different things out there and i wouldn't be surprised to also see another tight end find this way here based on the way that doug likes to play 12 personnel two tight ends on the field because you can dictate so many things in the run game and the passing game with those guys and to me evan ingram is a jumbo slot receiver we may have him listed. He run out the tunnel with tight end, but he's a jumbo slot he's receiver. He's a slot receiver. I so mean, he really, he's a tight end. Here's how you know that. When, when you watch him play, you look at how defensive coordinators play him. Defensive coordinators played him as a wide receiver all year. What you would like to have is a tight end that the defensive coordinator is in a little bit of a quandary. How do we treat him? Well, the, the Kelseys uh, and the Gronks, okay, of the league – they create legitimate matchup problems because if you put a small guy on him, he'll block, and, and all of a sudden now you're out the gate with the running game. That's right. And, Kay, that's the one thing that Evan Ingram is not. He's not a guy that can really block as a big man and then catch the ball. So, like he's talking about, Buck, he's talking about, don't be surprised if this team finds a tight end. And if they do, it'll be a guy that has the ability to do both and to do both well, block and catch. Where do they find that? Mm, Trey McBride would be one. Trey McBride from Colorado State is the best one in the class, but he is someone second round-ish that can do it. He's a guy that was a three-sport standout in high school, comes from Colorado State, caught a lot of passes, but look, can can block on the edges. Greg Dolchitz from UCLA, walk-on, made his way into a big-time receiver and playmaker, former wide receiver, but he can get gritty there. I just think it's really important. We're seeing tight ends and the importance of controlling the middle of the field, making life easy for Trevor Lawrence. More tight ends, more big bodies, more guys that can do a bunch of different things. I, I would be a little surprised if they did go tight end just because, you know, you, you, you got a guy in free agency last year that you feel really good about as a blocker, and then you traded for a guy with Dan Arnold, and now you got Evan Ingram. you got two receiving guys and then an inline guy. So I, and, I, and I know the draft, you you, you got to do what they call trust your board, okay, and you're picking the guys that are have the highest grade. But sometimes – Sometimes the need just kind of pulls you away into another position group. Going back to the start of our conversation here, don't turn off the television after number one, right? They could jump back in tonight. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think because they're sitting in a, a, a prime spot. One, they're at the top of the second round. So there's going to be interest for the Jaguars one way or the other. Either interest in coming up into the first round or everyone wants that first pick because there's going to be a name or two that surprisingly falls out of the first round that people are coveting, wanting to get to. So it's a nice spot for Trent Balk. He has to make a decision if there's someone that he identifies that I want to go get or do I want to play it conservative, back out, get some more picks, 
and go that way. I, I think there's got to be somebody that they really like for them to trade up with that pick because that pick has value with what is called the overnight factor. You know, if you still have that pick, you get to field calls from 31 teams from the end of the draft tonight until the draft starts tomorrow about somebody offering you picks to come out of that spot. So I think that's a very interesting situation to be in. But the number of picks that they have and I think what we're talking about, with if you got a guy, go up and get him. Trader Trent, get ready. We heard from him earlier here on Jaguars Happy Hour. We're back in a moment with a look around the National Football League, the NFL draft in Las Vegas, Nevada in 2022. Brian Sexton is out there for us on Jaguars.com. You'll see some of his interviews coming up, but he said it is built for the NFL draft. It was built for a lot of things, but the draft fits in well in Las Vegas. The Jaguars have the number one pick. We're back to close out Jaguars happy hour after this on the Jaguars digital network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. And if you're watching on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social channels, it's a live look at the football performance center construction site. The site of the old practice fields, the site of old Wolfson Park. Well, it's now going to be the site for the new building for the Jaguars football operations. And it should be open and ready in the 2023 training camp. Is that a pool that they're digging there on the left side? <laughs> Doesn't that look like a pool? It does look like a little cut off of a pool. Yeah. Either that or a fishing pond. Wouldn't that be a fishing pond? Really? <laughs> this is what we need around here. Some more of those. Perfect for you. So that should be open. We've been, we see the construction every single day. And uh, just one of a few things going on here in the sports complex tonight. The RV show logs. The, the Icemen have a playoff game tonight. Yeah, Guns and Roses in concert. Apparently behind us, Axel Rose is getting loud. Uh, the roar of the Jaguar is going through their, their warm-ups to get ready for tonight's uh, show here at Daly's Place. Hey, inside the stadium, since the practice fields are gone, the Jaguars are having voluntary veteran minicamp on the game field now inside. So the first chance for coaches to be on the field with players. They're doing some minor things, throwing the ball around a little bit. Logs, good thing. Yeah, per- pretty neat too in that, you know, for this stadium typically has kind of like a gravel border around the outside of it and they completely changed the field out its grass completely from wall to wall on the playing field to maximize the ability of square inches as far as grass for the players at some point they're going to start going across the river to Episcopal to use their fields but for the moment for some of this all-season stuff uh, they're doing it right here in the stadium nice nice little practice field because that surface there is unbelievable yeah real nice it looks nice. It looks nice to be able to do it and watching them practice in the stadium. There's a nice feel to being able to go in there and do it. I know it has to be nice for the players to finally get back to action with a new coaching staff, kind of put some of the things they've seen on the board to put them into play on the ground. It's early in that process, though. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, we just it's, started. It's kind of interesting that you hear different comments from around the league about teams getting back on the grass and, you know, from Russell Wilson claiming to have, you know, the, great players that he's working with and and Matt Ryan having some great receivers in Indianapolis. You know, every team in April feels really good about where they are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Turn really back. good. You don't want to be like, oh, we're going to stink this year. We know it in May. <laughs> like, no, we can't say that. No, we can't say it. And the draft is 
when the optimism really is at a peak because now you got new players, new yeah. energy. Everyone's in the building. The offseason pro undefeated. Kicked out. Yeah, you ready. <laughs> undefeated. Everybody has a chance. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year. That's true. Yes. Thank you for that. We're right there. Right there. Knock it on the door. Let's go around the National Football League. A few notes and uh, news and notes from around the league. Reports that the Raiders were looking to trade tight end Darren Waller. Waller was on CBS Sports Radio this week, said that the team told him a trade is not going to happen. Why in the world would they trade him away, Buck? Uh, Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) a rumor going bad. You don't go and acquire Devontae Adams (laughs) to go at Hunter Renfro, sign Derek Carr to an extension to then remove an all-pro weapon. No, he's going to be there there for the field. He he is... uh, I mean, really, uh, arguably the second best tight end in football. I mean, he's unbelievable. And, and I don't think that he's reached his ceiling yet. That is totally false, whoever came out with that rumor that he was going to be traded. Raiders are not going to get rid of him. Who's the number one tight end? Kelsey? Oh, Kelsey. Number one. You George, agree? George Kittle? Let's say, what's Kittle? In Kittle's good, okay, but Kittle's not the receiver that Kelsey and Kelsey – for a long time, I used to kind of question some of his blocking, mm-hmm. but he's actually done a pretty good job, and he's willing. Uh, he's a little feisty, but Darren Waller is just, you know, when you talk about freakish ability, I mean, and the ability to run in length and catch radius, uh, wow, he's got it all. Hmm. Fifth-year option week, apparently. Of course, we mentioned Josh Allen got the fifth-year option with the Jaguars. Christian Wilkins got it with the Dolphins. Kyler Murray with the Cardinals. Well, Daniel Jones apparently not getting it with the New York football Giants. How about that, Buck? Yeah, Danny Dimes didn't get a fifth-year option. But you kind of expected that based on the injuries, the number of turnovers, new coaching staff. You don't want to necessarily lock yourself in because then you do it. You don't like him. You have a Sam Darnold situation like you had in New York. So what you want to do is, hey, if Danny Dimes plays well, they'll give him his money, but he has to play well. He's not worth it right now. I mean, that's the fact. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, the reality is is that uh, he hasn't proven to be a great quarterback. And then until he does, you know, teams, teams aren't going to just throw out the fifth-year option at guys unless there's a lot of a high productivity, especially at that quarterback position because the Giants have some ammo in the future to be able to, to take a serious run at a quarterback in future draft class. Not this one, but in the future. Let's wrap up this uh, Jaguars Happy Hour program. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and Jeff Lagerman. You know how quickly things can change when you're talking NFL draft. Last May, if you're into the odds of number one picks and what players could go number one, some of these sports books started putting out their odds. Well, last May, one of them, with the initial odds they put out in May of last year for the number one pick this year, here's the order they had. Spencer Rattler, quarterback. Sam Howell, quarterback, Kayvon Thibodeau, Derek Stingley Jr., Keaton Slovis from SC, the quarterback, Malik Willis, JT Daniels, Emory Jones. I mean, that list goes on. It changes. Off seasons happen, a full college season happens, and then you never know. And of course, tonight the Jaguars have the number one overall pick. Logs, I'll start with you. What happens at number one overall tonight? Aiden Hutchinson. I. I I think that's that's who they pick, and I might be wrong. And uh, if if I was in Vegas, I might lose some money. But I'd, I, that's who I'd pick. I mean, so I really don't know what they're gonna do. But if I were making the pick, it would be hard not to pick Hutchinson, and it would also be very difficult to not take 
Icky, the corner. I, I think I well, just, you only pick one. I know, but I like both of those guys, and I want to trade back and, and get the second and third overall pick for the first. <laughs> that sounds like Urban last year. Wanted to trade up to get Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Wait a minute. He wasn't good. Well, I did a deep dive, JP. Okay, great. And uh, I think we can get the value for that pick. <laughs> I like Hutchinson at number one. I'm still in my gut. Something's telling me that Trayvon Walker is going to end up being the pick. Maybe it's the bulky thing. Maybe it's the history that he had with all this. Now, sometimes it's hard to get out of yesteryear in your own mind. But Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hudson, I believe it's going to be one of the pass rushes and not the offensive tackle. None? You're done with the other offensive tackle. I mean, I don't like it, but I'm not picking. I don't have a pick. But if I did, it would be Aiden Hudson because I believe he's the safest. Uh, here, here's the thing, and I think I was, I was posed a question on an interview that we did, or I did earlier today with, uh, with, with a group out, out west, and they said, you know, are you a believer? They used the golf analogy. Do you like hitting it down the center of the fairway, or do you like to swing big? I'm a believer in hitting it down the fairway because sometimes when you just try to hit it down the fairway, sometimes it ends up being big. Because I think, it, and I'm not trying to be safe, but I'm just trying to, you know, you trust your eyes. And productivity and uh, to me in the film says a lot and it's hard to argue against the productivity in the film of Aiden Hutchinson mm. and then you throw in a football character because the character really really matters the guy really loves ball he's a great teammate he's done everything that you want to see from a work ethic standpoint throughout his time in Michigan he's going to continue to be that same guy here I think it would really fit in well in this locker room and, and he, here's the thing when you talk about locker room fit you're trying to change a culture here okay and this, this I think this is a guy that can help change a culture but if they don't take Aiden Hutchinson, Detroit will go crazy. Oh, they'll run to the podium. Detroit will absolutely yeah. go crazy. <laughs> and if they don't take Aiden Hutchinson here, there will forever be a comparison if the Jaguars take Walker with Hutchinson. There you have it. The picks are in on Jaguars Happy Hour. Coming up, our coverage continues on Jaguars.com. At 7.30, it's draft night in Duval, our pregame show, if you will, for the 2022 NFL Draft. We'll get you ready for the number one pick and beyond the Jaguars at number one. The Jags have 12 picks in this draft, at least going into today. We'll see how many they have after today. For Bucky Brooks, Jeff Logham, and our entire crew, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll see you a little bit later here at Daly's Place. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.